0: the bless you boys podcast bless your boys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform each week join hosts Brandon Day and Ashley mclennan as we bring you the best from around the world of baseball from a Detroit Tigers perspective all right Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how are we doing tonight? I know you have a a giant furry animal sitting on top of you, apparently, right now. (laughs) Yes, there is a a cat co-host
1: sitting right on my chest at the moment, and there's no getting rid of him, so if we hear purring and or cat sneezes, I am not directly responsible for them, although they are
0: coming from my end. (laughs) Yep. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't argue with them, so...
1: Cats will do what they want to do. and Right now, mine wants to sneeze right into my hair. So that's nice.
0: <laughs> uh, he's testing you for the coronavirus. That's what's happening. Oh,
1: God, he's testing something, and I'm pretty sure it's just my patience.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, Ashley just sent me a picture of um, Mr. Ziggy, who is a fairly large ball of fluff.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a, a ragdoll. So if anybody knows oh, what a ragdoll yeah. cat is, he is a, a fluffy little monster.
0: Um, a fluffy 17-year-old monster. That's a good, uh, that's a good northern cat right there, though, you know, he's got the, got the coat to handle the weather. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, so And um... yes, he, he is named after David Bowie, if anybody oh, is. Oh, good. Serious. That's better than a cartoon. I, I didn't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ziggy's named after Bowie, Dottie's named after the, um, All-American Professional Girls Baseball League, um, player. So...
0: Donnie Kemenschek. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's a good one. Super good. Well, let's see. So, um, we've been off for a little bit. There's been a little bit of spring training action going on. Um, I had Mark Simon from Sports Info Solutions on last night, which was pretty cool. Um, Talked some defense there and kind of heard a little bit about how, um, like, his involvement with the Tigers through Kurt Gibson, who. Consist- consistently appears to be like the smartest, most analytically savvy person in the organization, um, and it's Which uh, is a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's just crazy because Kurt Gibson's just turned out to be like a really like thoughtful, philosophical guy about baseball, and uh, you know, I just I can't escape my childhood impressions of him as a dangerous madman. <laughs> 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 Who was awesome, know what? But, but the yeah. thing
1: is, I think when you were young, that probably is exactly. Because- kind of the kind of person he was
0: yeah i I don't think it's an accurate he 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 as we all are starting to mellow a bit with age yeah yeah it's true yeah so that was cool to have him on we talked a little bit about the new um defensive run saved metric that they're coming out with um the whole revised version that's going to be a lot more granular and help them account for the shift and kind of break defense down into all the component parts um i sent him a a tweet today asking about Nico Goodrum, just wondering if the new metrics showed anything that would be favorable for Mr. Goodrum's uh, chances at shortstop this season. And all he could really say was that you know he had a few errors and yet still came out um, plus four runs saved, and so there must be there must be some underlying skills there. So I guess we're we're just gonna have to find out. <laughs> nice. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, the new Fielding Bible is coming out as well. Fielding Bible Five. Um, Mark is one of the author- authors of that, so you guys should all check that stuff out, and you can check out that podcast as well. But we've got action in Tiger Town. Hot action. Um, <laughs> the Tigers actually have a pretty good record. Um, there's been, you know, some interesting things to watch. Um, some of the prospects have been making a pretty big impression. Uh, we all know this is spring training, and not to make a big fuss about anything that's going on, but um, it's pretty hard, in particular, just to start off with, not to be absolutely blown away with Riley Green so far. Would you agree?
1: Oh, God. Yeah, he was leading in home runs, I think, for a little while there. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case, but man alive, what uh, what a great start. Yeah. Uh, he's been very exciting, and God, it doesn't it just kind of gives you a little bit of the tingly hopes. Yep. Um for, for things to come, like, even if we're not going to be good this season, I think there's still just these things that we're seeing coming out of spring training right now that give me a lot of hope for, like, the next couple of seasons.
0: Yep, that they could at least get to the point where being a contender again doesn't look like a... A laughable joke in the far distant future yeah. well yeah they posted a picture
1: today i mean the official tigers account posted a picture today that i thought was kind of a perfect summation of that and it was a, a picture of uh, riley green alex fayeto and matt manning kind of all side by side in the dugout and it's like the future and i'm like you know i i feel it i feel good about it
0: yep yep and and most of these guys like most of the better prospects have you know have looked very comfortable holding their own even against uh, major league players so that's That's been cool to see. Um, I remember the first spring training game that I saw televised. I flipped on the TV, and Matt Manning was facing his first batter of the year, and it was Ronald Acuna Jr., and I was just like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) It's like, yes, thank God. On the one hand, just thank God baseball is back because we need it so badly with the world in, you know, Dire straits uh, in, yeah, in various uh, ways.
1: We, any, where everything else is falling around us, and at least we have baseball to count. Or I guess theoretically we should have baseball to count on. But now there's all these rumors going around of like what will happen if coronavirus gets worse, and will players be playing games to empty lockdown stadiums? <laughs> oh God, perish the thought.
0: Yeah, let's hope it doesn't go go that way. I know that there's there's already discussion, yeah, with the KBO and Japanese baseball league about yeah how they're going to handle that stuff so yeah and we, we were just kind of starting to get our first taste of the old super bug here so or not so yeah. super bug we'll see
1: well i just had to cancel my entire european vacation so that's super fun
0: i uh, know i mean that that's uh that tells you it's taking a toll out there like you, ha- you can't ignore it anymore obviously and oh, i'm so sorry about that that really sucks
1: yeah, it's a bit of a bummer, but it is what it is. And you take your precautions, and hopefully, you don't get sick.
0: Yep, yep. And if you do get sick, um, hopefully you're you're healthy <laughs> already. Right. Yeah, first oh, place, uh, yeah, I'll um, probably be all right. But
1: my <laughs> mom is too, so I'm not worried about either of us. Yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah, but yeah, definitely a drag. And yeah, it just leaves a lot of a lot of weird uncertainty. Um, you know, the Tigers are going this weekend, I believe, to play a game in the Dominican Republic against the Twins. Um, kind of a cool exhibition game, and I haven't really heard anything further about that. Um, as far as we know, that's all still um, planned and, and set to, to happen. So I guess we'll find out. But um, yeah, you just kind of wonder about any of those, those travel plans right now. Uh, yeah, it really bad. seems it's like... I was looking for that for that game, you know. It just it seemed like a super cool opportunity to televise it, although they probably wouldn't. But um, but yeah, it would have been neat to see everybody go there. Hopefully, they can pull that together. And, and yeah, make I it haven't happen. heard
1: anything about that getting getting canceled, so we'll see. I guess um, they are. I'm seeing a lot of stuff starting to get canceled. Like I think Google had a big expo they just canceled, and
0: um, Nike, Nike had something that they had to cancel. Yeah,
1: Nike did too. Um, I know a lot of the companies that I work with and for are now saying no non-essential travel so it's a pretty big deal they're they're pretty large mega corporations so yeah uh, it is a scary time
0: yep there's uh just nothing to do but kind of see how it plays out um despite the advice of the innumerable amount of um medical experts who i didn't realize i was in touch with on twitter (laughs) so yeah yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Everyone's an expert on Twitter. Oh man, I've heard some. I've heard some bad advice. That's for sure. Woo. <laughs> Lord, yep. So yeah, I mean, overall, none of this is going to necessarily matter. But there's been some players like doing interesting things that that I wanted to hit on. Um, like first, first and foremost, because I just wrote about him the other day, uh, Matt Manning. Um, working on a slider now. Um, we haven't we've kind of always figured that at some point a cutter or a slider would uh, would be something he would try to work into his arsenal. wasn't sure if if that would happen before he got to the majors, but it seems like that's underway. We haven't really gotten to see it yet, but I'm pleased to hear that he's working on that. Just cool. Um, I think we probably all have to agree that Tarek Skubal has been the most impressive pitcher in camp. Um, he has just been unhittable so far, uh, just going out there and kind of embarrassing major league hitters, <laughs> which has been well, he's, uh, super impressive.
1: He's been sensational. Like I, I know you've always been a fan and you've really enjoyed him from the get go. But like he's he's doing things that I did not really expect to see from him so soon. Um, and he's really making a, a case for himself right now as being one of the best pitchers in the entire Tigers organization.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not just the prospects. Like, maybe better, maybe as good as Matt Boyd or better. Um, yeah, it's it's been pretty eye-popping. Um, he's been throwing 97-98 a lot more often than he did last year, um, and it's just coming out real easy. Um, Jay and I, Jay Markle and I talked about him and Wentz and kind of that high arm slot from a lefty where they – kind of step to the um, the left-handed batter's box side and then throw across their body from that high arm, arm slot, and it just feels like nobody can pick it up. Um, like, guys swing at it like they didn't see it until way too late. And when you have that kind of velocity and ride, too, that's that's real tough. And then dude's got three other pitches that are all average and will flash better. So, uh, if he can, if he can tighten a couple things up, yeah, I, I just, the sky seems to be the limit for him, which is, um, an amazing get for a ninth rounder. Um, the Tigers don't, oh God, yeah, don't pull anything like that too often. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's been good. Um, let's see, we've had, we've seen Matt Boyd a few times now and he's looked pretty good working on his curveball and change up. Um, I think the changeup is kind of the the key to the season to kind of keep people off the the fastball slider combination and hopefully keep the ball in the park. So that's um, he seems to be going along quite well and just really seems to have we talked about this a couple podcasts ago that he just seems to really have grown and matured into sort of like the the team leader in a lot of ways, um, especially of the pitching staff.
1: Oh, yeah. And he seems to be he's of that school of pitchers where I think they're always really focused on figuring out what they can do themselves to improve. Like the guys that you look at, like the Zach Greinke's, like, you know, dare I say the Trevor Bowers, like the real they look at the mental game of baseball and they really focus on what they can do from their end to improve no matter what it takes. Um, and I think we're actually seeing some pretty impressive results from that for Boyd so um I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this season
0: yeah you just hear like he's just he, he might even be going too far in some ways but it's just a really comprehensive like aggressive approach to just getting better in every way like diet exercise um sleep the whole the whole gamut um yeah who'da thunk that sleep does the body good I know you know we we neglect the sleep and the water and yet the two of them are you know elemental let's say (laughs) yeah no no kidding it was like i was reading a book the
1: other day and i think this will blow everyone's mind it was about stress and it it was like hey did you know that the number one way to not be as stressed as you are is to exercise (laughs) and i'm like i almost threw i almost threw the damn book across the room because i'm like it's so logical and i know and i know (laughs) but the way they like explains the whole thing i'm like well dang that's exactly uh A perfectly
0: understandable and logical thing So yeah it just feels like we we build Up that um, you know sort of that Nervous energy and if we don't burn it off It it just turns inward and attempts to destroy us Well
1: that's 100% (laughs) what the book Was saying it's like the Stress that we deal with on a day to day basis Sorry we're getting off topic but it it is kind of Relative to what we're talking about but the stress That we deal with on a day to day basis is the, The new modern version of what Like hunter gatherers were getting when they were being Chased by lions Yeah and at the end of the day, when a hunter-gatherer was escaping from an actual predator, they could either realize that they'd gotten away or kill the animal, and there would be a conclusion to it, whereas the stresses that we're under as a society today, we go home, but we never have that end. We never see the finality, like the stress of our boss yelling at us is always there. The stress of the big project is always there, and that by exercising, you've tricked your brain into thinking you've run away from the predator. Oh, yeah. Yeah and it shuts down that
0: stress cycle. Yeah, you kind of get that peak experience and then the and then the release afterward instead exactly. of the just the uh, creeping dread and ennui of modern life that is yeah. never resolved. <laughs> yeah. And so
1: after I read that I started like going for at least a 40 minute walk every night and lo and behold I am a less stressed individual.
0: Nice. Yeah
1: that's part of it. Like, so we're looking at to take it back to what we were talking about is that I think Matt Boyd tends to understand that there is a mental aspect to it. And that that's something I think we talked about a lot with Daniel Norris um, about the mentality of maybe what was holding back his pitching. And I think I'm hoping that maybe Boyd was able to kind of like be like, Hey dude, um, here's some pro tips to get out of that state of being.
0: Yeah. It really felt like the, you know, the groin injury and just, just not being healthy for so long just kind of beat it beat down on him you know it's just really hard to perform at the highest level to begin with and then when you're you know you can't do it the way that you always have or or the way you're trying to um yeah you can just end up beating yourself up and I mean we saw Daniel Norris you know a couple times um you know in 2017 2018 dealing with that injury and being really frustrated and and really like moved to tears at his locker a couple times because he was just going nuts you know trying to trying to get past it and, and, you know, and continue to make progress and, and, and fight it off when it wasn't working. So, yeah, I mean, the mind body component is, is huge and it just feels like baseball in particular. And and a lot of sports have been really far behind on this stuff. It seems like the individual sports all along get people get better at those things sooner. Maybe it's because like they, you know, it's all about just you. And if you're a, you know, Roger Federer or, you know, Tiger woods or someone like that, you know, you have an, an entire army of people devoted just to you and, and mm-hmm. helping you, um, and you don't really have anybody else to be responsible for. Um, and so there isn't that same culture of, like, you know, don't make excuses, you know, do, you know, take all the blame, you know, never complain, all that sort of stuff. Like, when it's just you, you know, it's just you. But yeah, when you're in a team environment, you can't do those things, and you might not have the same outlets um, and, and, and assistance. So it seems like teams are starting to get that. We've heard, like, I think it was maybe Gabe Kapler uh, at, at least it was the age or the um, Dodgers in general that, that kind of brought up, you know, sleep a, as a component that, you know, they, they weren't taking care of. And they were the first to kind of, kind of really get on that and examine people's sleep patterns and make sure none of their guys had apnea. Um, they were one of the first to get on with the nutrition and all that stuff is starting to spread now. But yeah, it's interesting because the individual sports have been pretty far, far ahead in a lot of those things. Um, and even, like given to quackery um maybe even more and maybe that, that's another part of it too is that you're more willing to just experiment and try things when it doesn't you know it's not going to affect your team it just affects your performance so yeah yeah but um yeah i mean he had uh Tarek Skubel out at driveline with him um with matt boyd and i believe daniel norris also was out there for a little bit um and also trains at that um, peak three performance institute in california as well when he's out there. So the guys are all getting on board with that, and it feels like even if the coaching staff um, isn't, it feels like the whole rest of the team is, it has bought very heavily now into analytics because you've got all these young guys who came up playing in college and, and just expect to see all that stuff, whether it's Casey Mize or whether it's you know Riley Green probably having everything in in the cage you know measured on him for years now, um, and all these guys are used to it. And if you come to the pros and don't see that they have that stuff, you're like, what in the hell? <laughs> kind of Ricky Dick operation is being run here. <laughs> Incidentally, um, we we need a Trevor Bauer mention. Um, <laughs> we bit, already
1: had one technically,
0: but yeah, we did. <laughs> and this isn't really a Trevor Bauer point, but he was uh, he did a podcast um, with Sonny Gray. Uh, both of them now pitch for the Reds. And CeCe Sabathia is one of the the hosts of this podcast. And Sonny Gray was talking about, and and CeCe Sabathia talked about it too. How the Yankees didn't actually have. Like all the you know Rap Sotos and edutronic cameras or any of that stuff, um, and didn't really even bother with any of that. And how Sonny Gray was really frustrated because he needed specific help with some of these things and to to kind of fine tune his stuff and and they just didn't have it. Um, and it's interesting to think that the Yankees, you know, who we think of as being one of the more proactive and advanced teams out there, were really pretty far behind with Larry Rothschild, who I'm sure is a good pitching coach, but wasn't up to snuff on all that new stuff. And they. They hired someone who, with no, you know, pro coaching experience, uh, Matt Blake, who, you know, ha- has been, you know, a guy who who understands all the, the modern paradigm and can teach it. But, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting just to see that, yeah, even some of the juggernaut teams that we think are super advanced um, are still struggling to catch up with this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, like everyone's kind of at a different approach with where they kind of see pitching going and what they want to take from you know the experts so I think you're going to see more and more teams kind of pick up on that as
0: they go yeah yeah I would definitely agree um let's see I wanted to mention Jake Rogers in particular just because he had a little bit of back trouble early in camp and so we didn't see him that much and then we did finally see him um, I think it was yesterday on Monday uh, mash a fairly lengthy home run to left field and his swing looks fairly well rebuilt already. Like he got rid of his leg kick, um, and yet he's still using his hips well to generate power, and keeping his hands low and swinging a little bit more on a on a flatter plane. Um, he might have been one of the few guys who actually w- was buying into the launch angle fly ball thing a little bit yeah. too much, and it seems like yeah, like early returns on that have been fairly promising, which is cool. Yeah, he looked
1: good. I was very happy to see it because I am still a Jake Rogers true believer. Um, But I mean, it's always been kind of a debate as to whether or not he would find a a good true swing and get some power behind it. So I guess we'll see kind of what he makes of the rest of spring training. But I was really happy to see that um, the adjustment made and to get that immediate home run, I think, had to be pretty good for the ego. So,
0: yeah, especially kind of having to sit for a week and and not, you know, not be involved. So. It seems pretty certain that Jake Rogers is going to get a bunch of time at Toledo to kind of work on this. And so that kind of leaves us with Austin Romine and then Grayson Greiner and Eric Haas um, fighting it out for the backup role. And I don't really think we've really seen enough to even have a sense of who might be on the inside track there. Um, Haas hit a super long just laser beam home run to center. The other day but um but we know we have uh, power it's more can he hit so <laughs> yeah
1: he's he's otherwise kind of been so so at the plate but um i mean it's not like griner's really knocking anything out of the park with his 091 batting average in spring training yeah
0: um <laughs> and, and, and none of these guys have more than like you know 10 or 11 at bats total anyway right yeah I mean it's it's
1: small sample size plus spring training so it's very unfair because I mean if we look at Jake Rogers I think he's got like something like a a 2000 OBP or something insane like that Uh, a couple guys have like well over 2000 slugging or 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 at least their OPS I should say (laughs)
0: yeah it is funny looking at the numbers right now
1: yeah it's ludicrous to actually try to make any make anything of it I mean we're talking about you know Daniel Norris and he's got an 18 ERA and uh Casey Mize has a nine, so I mean you really can't make much of anything. Mize hasn't had the greatest spring training so far, um, but I'm not worried about him. I haven't seen any reason to worry. He doesn't look like he's he's hurting or stressed. I think he's just kind of getting the dust off, so
0: I'm I'm not worried about him. No, nah, me neither. And his velocities look really good. Uh, more than anything, he just he's just had really poor fastball command, which is. You know, we saw that a few times last year, but generally by reputation, that's um, that's pretty rare for him. So not going to get too worked up about that. Um, yeah, the cutter, the slider, and God, the splitter all look uh, fantastic. So he's just a dude who has plenty of weapons. Um, I don't worry much about Casey Mize either, um, other than health. You know, As long as he's healthy, I, he seems like he's going to be um, at least pretty effective. Um, and we'll just see if he can kind of take it from there and turn himself into a, a legitimate big league Number one or two? So, I, I gotta say, since we're talking about
1: Casey Mize, I sent to the to the Bless You Boys chat today the um, the suggestion that Mize is the second highest ranked candidate to be the Rookie of the Year this year. Yeah. Um, what, do, what do you think about that?
0: You know what's weird about it is that you could dismiss that easily, but this is by um, the people who suggest this it, were... I can't remember who the heck it was but it it was odds makers for gambling. It wasn't just like some guy who runs a site on the internet or, or something like that. And it was odds- like creative PR. It was a, it was a group that
1: actually yeah does this as gambling's odds. So like they are not just making these numbers up.
0: Yeah, but it's really hard I mean that that's a hard thing to to um, handicap anyway as a race. Um but yeah, I I just I can't imagine a scenario where he gets enough work at the major league level I is this yeah I mean he's probably ready for it and I am am perfectly fine like Casey Mize is probably ready to pitch in the majors already and if he is and he gets on a good groove I kind of feel like you should just do that like there's no point gaming a guy's service time when he's healthy and and pitching well just move him up to the major leagues because you just never know with pitchers how long they'll be healthy so mm-hmm. use them while you got them you know, find out what you got there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the odds makers might want to rethink um, what organization they're dealing with here, because, you know, if the Tigers were, you know, two games over 500 at the all-star break and look like they might be in it. Yeah. You'd, maybe you'd think like, screw it. You know, we're calling Casey Mize up. We're calling Matt Manning up. We're calling up Tarek Skubal. We're going to try to go for this thing without trading anybody, you know, away for other players. But I mean, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I don't really know what they're they're looking at there. I guess that tells us there's not a very good crop of uh, of, of rookies coming this year.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that might be the case. I mean, I think for the um, the National League, it was Gavin Lux leading the pack, which was like really no big surprise there. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to see enough play time to make it um, a reasonable expectation this season. But it was kind of nice to see that uh, some folks out there were like, yeah, Casey Mize, he'll be pulling that Michael Fulmer routine.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things where you start to see your prospects like being really well regarded and and kind of people and other people besides the Tigers fans anticipating them showing up in Detroit. So. Um, that, that part all, yeah, I think feel, feels pretty good um, just to see the recognition some of those guys are getting. Um, we did have Keith Law, um, our old friend, um, who used to, you know, was the, the prospects writer for ESPN for a, I don't know, maybe over a decade, um, who is now with the Athletic and ranked all the farm systems this week and had the Tigers, I think, 19th. <laughs> 19th, yeah. Yeah, which just tells you, like, how wide a range of opinion there could be. Like, I think that's, like, fairly horrifically low um compared to where things actually are but keith seems like a guy who just doesn't have any faith in the front office to develop the guys that we have and i can understand that too um yeah i, 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 I do that.
1: think it's very unfair and i i say this with a bias towards keith because he's always been very generous with his time with me and he's a nice guy Yep. Same um but I feel like there's this assumption that because he ranks the teams so the team low relatively often, um, that he hates them. Um and Keith I I'm here to tell you, um, Keith Law does not hate anybody's team. Keith Law does not care enough about anybody's team individually to actively hate them. But everybody's um,
0: but everybody's fan base believes that he hates. Their every team. <laughs> single yeah.
1: team's fan base thinks that Keith Law hates their team. Um, and I think part of that is like if you look at, and what I kind of like about Keith Law, at least in his prospect write-ups, is that he kind of does always look for the negative aspects of every single prospect that he writes about. Um But I think that that's a valid and really important thing to do. Like, if you look at a guy and he's got a ton of power, but he, like, whiffs a ton, I think it's really important to know that. And, like, if you look at a guy who's got a really beautiful swing but has no power or a guy who's got, like, a ripping 98-mile-an-hour fastball but zero command – I think that it's it's really important to talk about that stuff, and he does, which I think is, is nice. Like, even those highly rated guys, like the Wander Francos of the world, Keith Law will find the negative about them, e- even while he's telling you that they'll probably be in the majors that year.
0: Yeah, and he's not really trying to... He's not selling anything, and no. it's not that other prospect sites necessarily are selling something, but... People who write about prospects, especially when they're first getting started, it seems like, are just very enthusiastic. Like, just a vague general enthusiasm that sometimes can kind of permeate, you know, their their opinions about players or about systems. And, yeah, I mean, more than just about anybody other than, like, maybe John Sickles, um, Keith Law is pretty immune to any of that because he's been doing it for so long. And he's been doing it at ESPN in an extremely visible position, um, so yeah, and now the
1: athletics.
0: So right, and I think there's this is a problem in society generally is that, that there's such a tendency to view everything through the lens of bias, um, and it's become like a crutch to to look at to just assume that there must be a bias somewhere rather than actually objectively evaluating individual arguments on their merits. Um, We've really, like, it's just become, like, the cool thing to just be like, everything sucks, all these people are shady, you know, it's just just a natural thing, maybe, if you don't want to look into it, just to assume that anything that you don't like is just bias against you. And anything you do like, you don't think, oh, this is all just bias for me. And, you know, and this goes on in politics, this goes on in everything. But um, we seem to be at a point where you know, assuming bias has become a substitute for thinking. And um, it it sucks. So there's my uh, soapbox for the day. Like, actually, like, take the time to think about things and research them and know what you're talking about. Or shut the fuck up. I'll say that to the whole (laughs) internet. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the one swearing today. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. Shut the fuck up, internet. But you're not wrong.
1: I think a lot of times we have to look at, like, where our assumption of bias and others is just our biases within ourselves. Um, and like, it, it is the reason that like, if we're looking at it from a tiger's perspective is the reason that we think these prospect writers are out to get the tigers because we internally know that there's flaws within that system and we don't like them being pointed out. Um, there are flaws. There's a, there's a rigid like stick in, in the Tigers organization to do things that the Tigers way. And that's a, you know, a direct thing. The Tigers way is a thing. Um, and I think that that may need some reassessment. And I, I see small glimmers of hope in that. Um, and I, I think they may be kind of coming around to a more modern approach to things, but it's, it's a very slow process.
0: Um yeah, and there's kind reason of, yeah, reason to think that, that they are, but there's no proof yet. You know, despite yeah. all the technology and the new coaches, we haven't seen any of it play out.
1: Yeah, and so I, I think and the other really difficult part of that is that I think a lot of teams were still looking kind of towards the Astros and and the way that they, you know, said that they did their rebuild and the way that they said they handled, you know, creating that that behemoth of of winning and success on being such an underdog team, and of course now that's kind of a flawed um, model oh, for, for God not. as far as baseball rebuilds go. So I think that's kind of left a lot of teams that were—I'm not going to say tanking, but that were kind of leaning into the rebuild process and trying to make the most out of doing poorly in a position where I don't know that they really know what they're doing now.
0: Yeah, where, it's, it's at least harder to to point to an example. I think, yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, again, the Cubs are they, still a good, like example, a good example. I yeah. think. And, and the Astros are still a good example. Like, whatever you think about the, the sign stealing out there, they're still really good. They might not, yeah. maybe they shouldn't have won a World Series, maybe they're not a dominant team, but they've still built an organization that, yeah, ha- had tons of talent in it. I think we can at least still say that fairly, um, despite the, the the fuckery underlying everything.
1: <laughs> and the problem, I think, with using the Cubs as a model is that the Cubs liked to spend money um, for a good stretch of time there. And it really benefited them, especially under the, the guidance of Epstein. So, um, we see where they're at now without spending money and it, it's not a great look for 2020. I don't think they're going to do poorly, but I don't think they're going to like run away with the NL central. Yeah. Uh, so and I think the Reds are gonna be very interesting to watch there but
0: yeah I'm pretty darn interested in the Reds um that was my like almost every year I'll place a bet on a World Series team from somebody kind of in the mid-tier who I think might make a jump it's never worked out uh but yeah the Reds were that team this year so we'll we'll kind of see how that how that plays out but yeah the Cubs the thing I think that's so different about the Cubs is that they just you know they they already knew how to do it like they had already built like this monster organization in Boston they came right into Chicago instantly got everything up and running on the the analytics front and then they pursued like specific players they didn't just like we're going to be bad and draft all these people it was like no we want Anthony Rizzo we want yeah. to bring John Lester here we want David Ross we want Ben Zobrist and we're bringing we're getting those guys whatever it takes and then we'll find everything else as we go along, which is a, yeah, really different model than than what the Astros used, but um, but it was equally effective.
1: Yeah, it's just you have to have a team that's willing to spend to get the pieces that they want, um, and we don't have that yet. Yet, yeah, there has been sort of inklings, and I don't know if, if this has came up with any. Probably wouldn't because your other discussions were all fairly specific about analytics. Um, we've kind of seen hints from Chris Illich um about the fact that he may at some point actually open a wallet um i i don't know i didn't like much of what i heard there where he was just talking about how you know he has a desire to win i think it's not a you said that he has a desire to win much
0: like his father but you won't see it right it's more inward because he's more composed or patient
1: yeah and i'm thinking well you know you know what fans might like to see an owner with a desire to win.
0: I think maybe wearing that visibly might be nice. Actually, if you to, were um, going to prove that you really wanted to win, um, how, how would you go about it? I, <laughs> would it involve spending the money and uh, and making it obvious? Perhaps yeah. I might
1: spend a little bit more than I'm doing right now. I might've brought in a Yasiel Puig. I don't know what is the deal with him not being signed yet? That is like, is he just a clubhouse cancer or
0: what? I don't know. You know, people seem to, you know, fans seem to think that must be the case, but you just never, I don't know. I've talked to so many people who were, are semi in the know who are just like, no, no, you know, he was kind of bad when he was, when he was young, you know, he was, he wasn't responsible. He'd never kind of had to like live on this schedule and all that kind of stuff. And it took, you know, a year or two um, to kind of get him to start coming around. But, you don't really hear that stuff since. Like, he's obviously yeah. still kind of a wild card. Like, he, uh, you know, that fight that, you know, they got it. I can't remember who the Reds got into a fight with. Maybe it was the Pirates. It was the Pirates. Yeah. 100%. Where Puig, yeah. like, was basically like, hey, bring it on to the entire team. And, like, you know, there, yeah. there are some things like that. But, yeah, it is surprising that no one, no one wants him. Like, you can, you know, you can have domestic violence uh, suspensions on your record. Yeah. And, and get a team, you know, and get a team interested. But, Yasiel Puig, for some reason, it's, you know, the tongue out. It's it's all too much for for yeah, certain I don't, people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I
1: don't get it. He's exciting, and he'd bring fans in. And I get that maybe there's, a, like, a limp. If the issue isn't so much. Because, like, to me, a clubhouse cancer is a guy that guys on the team can't work with. And that, that creates kind of a, a toxic environment inside the clubhouse. But everything I've heard about Puig is that his issues are very much more with, like, Management, Like, oops, I showed up, you know, an hour later than I should have ahead of the start of the, you know, warm ups or, you know, that he was just kind of like a little bit spacey, spacey. Yeah, exactly. That he just didn't seem to understand the rigidity of a baseball schedule. And I nothing I've heard seems to indicate that he's the kind of guy that would just be impossible for other players to work with. And I think that that's a way more important thing than a guy who you might have to find periodically because he doesn't (laughs) show up on time for games.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I can totally understand that you wouldn't want, you know, one guy doing that stuff. Excuse me. Around your young players, right? Um, cause that can create, you know, jealousy and division, but I don't yeah. even think he does any of that stuff anymore. Uh, I haven't, I haven't heard a single complaint along those lines since he, you know, since, um, Don Madding le- left the, the Dodgers. Um, yeah. So, it's been
1: ages. Yeah. So I, I don't know. There must be something we're missing or if there's something medical that we don't know about, I don't
0: know. Yeah. I, um, mean, I mean, he's not that good. I mean, you know, I guess we do need to keep that in mind that he's at best, you know, kind of an average an average player because he's just sort of never been able to get all of the obvious talent out of himself on the field. But yeah, you know, he's, he's a fun guy. Um, he's an entertaining player to watch. His tools are still kind of just ridiculous. Um, and it would have been cool to get him. I mean, I'm pretty happy to have Cameron Maben, um, oh, especially yeah. after the season he had with the Yankees, um, and just kind of, you know, and just kind of being familiar with him. Like he's obviously like a very upbeat, like, he's a know, good dude. Yeah, he's an upbeat person. You know, he's a fun person to have in the clubhouse. He obviously has, has kind of embraced, you know, the veteran statesman role and is a- actively, like, aggressively working with and correcting um, some of the younger outfielders and definitely seems in charge out there. You know, there, there maybe there's some value in that, which is cool. But, um, you know, I also just like Cameron Maven. So I'm all right with it. You know, if, if it came down to Puig or Cameron Maven, I would probably kind of flip a coin. So... Oh yeah, I'm 100% not mad at all
1: about the decision to bring Maven back. I think he's a solid guy to have in that outfield. And I think he is the veteran presence that the young guys kind of vying for those roles could really use. Um so yeah, definitely not mad about that pickup. I just think Puig would have been exciting and fun. Yep. That's all. Yeah, there are, are many words I would use for Cameron Maybin, but I don't know that exciting is one of them. Yeah, which he's is, exciting it, on the base paths, you know. I mean, there's some. He's excitement. got good speed. I mean, he's he's a good player and he's reliable. Yeah, but yeah, it. it exciting and, like, must TV are probably not the, the the words I would go for.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess what it comes down to is maybe he wants to play full-time and he's just hoping that, you know, there's an injury and he can get the full-time job. Or, yeah, like there, I mean, there must be something, you know, going on that, that you know, teams just don't want to deal with because or even the Miami Marlins... Really... I mean, if or the he, Marlins aren't going to pick him up, you know, I I just I can't see you know I, there must be something <laughs> there must be something the Marlins that people picked don't want. up Matt Kemp, which is very
1: interesting. Yeah, because um, I was wondering if Kemp would find a home at all. And um, the thing that I have to think is that maybe he's just uh, from a Puig pu- point of view is that he's really sticking to the the finances that he wanted, and he had some pretty lofty goals for the season. I think something like he wanted something insane, like thirty six million dollars over. Two years or three years or something, Um, which is, you know, um, okay. I would also like to get paid that over the next three years, but um, both Puig and I are awaiting phone calls from uh, Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah, but realistically, yeah, he probably should take like, you know, a million for one year with incentives. Yeah, and try, try your odds next year. Yeah, but maybe you this know? is the end. You know, maybe, maybe what he just need. Maybe it's just time to go overseas and play in Japan or something like that, where I'm sure he would be beloved and you know have a great time over there. Um, and, and it would just you know, and maybe we'd get more of what he wants in a personal yeah. sense, you know, or financial sense. So he could
1: go hang out with Rajay Davis down in the Mexican League. I mean, I think uh, Bartolo Colon's down there this year. There's some good Mexican baseball that's going to be happening.
0: Yep, for sure. Um, and so, all right, the get back, like, the other, what was the other thing I wanted to mention? Oh, yeah, Cody Clemens. Because hmm. Cody Clemens is kind of still, like, sort of a fringe prospect, like, there, there's some questions about how long his swing is, there's some holes there, he's a, he's a solid defender, um, pretty gritty, like, intense Ian gritty. Kinsler. Uh, he's yep. my Ian Kinsler of the future, yes. Yeah, like, different skill set, like, he's not fast, he's not that good at, you know, he's a solid defender but attitude. Ian Kinsler was a genius second baseman. Yeah. It's just attitude. He feels like him. Uh, and he's put together really professional at bats um watching him. Like he's he's more than willing to take some pitches. Um, he's not been terribly overwhelmed by really good breaking balls from some of the better pitchers he's seen. Um, he's not going up against the aces out there, but um, he's hit the ball hard a lot and um and drawn some walks. Um looked very composed out there. So that's that's been kind of a cool sign because he is someone who maybe by next year, um, you know, c- could come in and, and help you out, maybe even as a regular, if he can if he can take that next step forward. Um, so we'll see there. Daz Cameron, another one, um, who fell fell back last year, but we all still, you know, have some faith in his abilities. Uh, we know he's a good center fielder, got some pop, um, struck out too much last year, and kind of just got into his own head by his own admission, and he's off to a nice start. So, you know, there's, there's got some good things our- to work. Like.
1: Our first spring training sights of Isaac Paredes today. Yep, he was out there for the first time after a little arm trouble. Did absolutely nothing at the plate, but um, yeah, he smoked you know. a liner back to the pitcher. But yeah, nothing fancy yet. <laughs> yeah, nothing terribly exciting.
0: But uh, I didn't get a chance to see him field anything. Did you? No, no, I, I haven't. But you know, I, I've seen him play a lot, so I don't, I don't know that there's much more to to know. Yeah. He does. He looks the same. Doesn't and he really he was playing um, you know in the winter leagues until like yeah a month ago really so yeah um, he, he hasn't really had time to do anything or change anything so he's played a lot of baseball um it's he, I think he played the winter league last year too and he might have played the Arizona Fall League as well I think he did so he's he's kind of been like year round just just cranking away at it so grinding yeah so we will probably see him this year and the reason I say that is yes we have Jordy Mercer. And he will probably get the first crack if Jamer Candelario and Dalwell Lugo both fail. Um, both look like they're failing, unfortunately, so far. I don't yeah. really see much, much difference. But you would think that Isaac Prades will, ge- will get that shot. Um, he's just too professional a hitter, I think, to hold down um, too much longer unless someone is playing really well at that position in the majors. So, Yeah. We're just gonna have to take how it goes there. Um, Daniel Norris was out there, um, saw him hit, throwing 93, 94 a lot more consistently. Um, got hit up yesterday in, the, in his second inning, but uh, but it's been good to see that velocity come back and uh, him throwing the changeup more because those two things seem like the relationship. You know, if he if he's throwing harder, the separation between the fastball and the changeup should be better. Both pitches should play better as a result. And that seems to be, um, that was his goal this offseason, and that seems to be showing some fruition this this spring already. So that's a good thing. Uh, I'm trying to think if anybody else has done anything particularly notable. Oh, my boy uh, Daniel Panero, I have to mention, just because there's an outside yeah. chance that, that he might fill in somewhat this year at third base and maybe first base. He's a guy who's played shortstop, he was a shortstop in college, but he's also like 6'5", 240 now, and not quick. <laughs> so... Uh, runs better than than you'd think for a guy his size, um, and has always like drawn walks um, and hit for decent average and looked hitterish, but also had some flaws against like against better velocity and better breaking balls, especially against right-handers. Uh, but he's got two home runs this spring, and both I was going to say we missiles. give Riley
1: Riley Green all those props for his two home runs, which I mean, I grant you, I think came in like back-to-back games, so we were very excited. Yeah, and, um, he's, and he's nineteen.
0: Yeah, David yeah, exactly. twenty-five, but yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah, Panero's got, you know, two home runs, four RBIs, six, no, six walks is for green, sorry, but uh, two walks is still not bad. He's pulling a decent average with a short sam- small sample size. So, you know, um, he's looking pretty good.
0: Yep. Yep. He's always had that patience and yeah, he's just kind of one of those sleepers. So I think probably will never play in the majors like with any consistency, but, um, but you might end up seeing him a little bit this year. So um, Jordan Zimmerman, unfortunately, looks like Jordan Zimmerman. Um,
1: but, but Brandon, but he he's got healthy
0: this year. I know, I know. Healthy once again. Yeah. Healthiest
1: he's ever been. He'll be your opening day starter, no doubt.
0: Yep, uh, yep, yep. And then we'll just start the clock and, you know, be ready to... And it's amazing, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if no matter how he pitches, the Tigers will just keep him on the roster all year and maybe just put him in the bullpen, unless it's just unbelievably bad. Um, he worked on a two-seamer a little bit last year and worked on it this off season and seems to have some confidence in it but um i don't think anybody else does (laughs) so yeah we'll see
1: yeah we'll see what happens i don't know
0: yep yep um yeah i guess that'll about do it um we're gonna kind of wrap it up and just kind of you know sit back and not get too crazy about some of the early returns here but um yeah, just kind of be patient and settle into this thing, and let the next you know couple weeks come along, and we'll see how the the bullpen battle and the third base battle and the outfield battle all kind of start shaping up.
1: Yeah, it could be uh, kind of interesting. I'd like to see kind of who shifts into that like bullpen role. Um, to kind of see who kind of fills out those sections, if we see kind of a houser in there, or, um, you know Tyler Alexander was being whispered about today. So yeah, he's um, been good.
0: It kind of feels like since they need a lefty, kind of who who can they they can depend on for innings. He he seems like maybe yeah. the the guy who has the the most lock on a spot after Joe Jimenez and Buck Farmer. But yeah, we'll just have to have to see how it plays out because a lot of the other guys like. Gregory Soto, David McKay, Ugh. Jose Cisnero. Like they've all looked good in in an outing or two, and then they've also looked like the guy they were last year um, in an outing or two. Yeah. So And I mean, uh I mean Franklin
1: Perez's arm has not yet fallen off, so oh, that's a really good sign. That's true. I kinda don't want to talk
0: about him too much. I'm yet. sorry, I didn't No, no. <laughs> not from <laughs> I that, but I, take- I just don't want to yeah, I just don't want to get into him too much because I'm I'm just like, please God, just stay healthy because yeah, he's looked good apparently and uh yeah. I mean he looks good in the fact that he's actually throwing pitches yep.
1: and it has not, you know, left the field in agony in any kind of fashion. So to me it's a very positive sign.
0: Yep. Every time he goes out there on scheduled days, it's it's a win. Um, and it sounds like the curveball changeup and fastball are, are all still still roughly there um when last he was pitching regularly, which was quite a while now ago now. But um yeah, so that's all that's all a good thing and we'll just see if he can he can hold up to the strain here as we as we go along.
1: Well, fingers crossed.
0: Yep, there it is. Um Let's see. Well, I'll announce it. Yeah, I'm gonna have Alex <laughs> Alex Fast from um the pitcher list on uh Wednesday. So you can look for that on Friday. We'll talk, um we'll we'll go full pitching dork and, and get deep into uh Matt Boyd and Daniel Norris and some of the relievers and the prospects and all that stuff and talk about that and the way pitchers are, are changing the way that they've, you know, they're training and using the technology and all that stuff. So that should be a fun conversation. Um, actually, I know has kicked the it took a little break on the YouTube and has been cranking out the videos again. Yep.
1: Unintentional break in that. I really, well, I guess it was intentional that I just really didn't feel like editing videos. <laughs> um, It's really time-consuming and kind of exhausting, Um, but this past Sunday, I did six of them in one day. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, so I've got content through the end of the month, and I still have two more in the hopper, and I'll be recording more this weekend. Um, I just released one today on retired numbers, which is pretty much just if you like the soothing sounds of somebody mispronouncing names at you and (laughs) reading a bunch of numbers, um, (laughs) that's the video for you. Uh, There will be great outtakes from that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Because boy, oh, boy, Burt Blylevin, his name is a fun one to say. Oh, yeah, Blylevin, Uh, yeah,
0: that's a good one, yeah.
1: And then I have a bunch of, um, so I've switched the schedule up. I'm now doing them on Tuesdays and Saturdays instead of Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays because uh, it was just too much work uh, to keep it up consistently, as we could see. And so uh, we've got a bunch of good lingo lessons coming up. I have a fun video coming up next week on how to pick your team um so that if you aren't really sure who to root for or you know you're a foreign fan and you don't have a regional allegiance to a team and then how to follow those teams throughout the season so um that video is coming up next week
0: awesome yep that <laughs> sounds pretty good um oh you know two more guys who've been doing well i'll just say their names buck farmer yeah. looked good spencer turnbull have both look good so those are good signs <laughs> um, Sorry, i just
1: have to say one thing because i'm looking at the stats for the <laughs> Season. and i love like uh, meaningless or like small sample size stats but can we just for one second talk about Bo Burrows burroughs's era
0: <laughs> oh no where is it oh 67.5. 67.5
1: wow
0: wow Woo. and I, and that was all in it in basically one appearance where it just yeah. blew up in his face completely Woof. yeah really and i saw some of some of that. At least someone had some clips, and eh, his velocity was not looking good. He was injured last year, and went into the off season injured with an oblique injury, and so he probably didn't start throwing um, as early as others did this off season. So I'm hoping that's it, but yeah, 91, 92 is not going to cut it for him even in the bullpen. So, yeah.
1: mm. not great. Hopefully, not a sign of 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 badness, but just kind of a. A rough start
0: yeah say your prayers for him um say your prayers for my boy anthony castro who's been a mess so far in relief unfortunately <laughs> who i, who I snuff i love but not happening yet um alex faedo has also been good should, should give him a little name check as well I don't like to mention him because I
1: feel like he will fall apart if I address his existence
0: ah. beyond
1: beyond his facial hair, yeah. which he blessedly shaved.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty maybe. Boy. That's the key. He's a
1: pretty boy again. That's that's what you needed to do. <laughs> maybe he, he looks so too young. Uh, I, as a thirty six year old, cannot look at Alex. I don't <laughs> think of, of him in any terms of being good looking. Um, <laughs> but he does look much better now that he's shaved his goatee. So <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. <sighs> Thing was it was awful. He didn't need it, yeah. You know, the other thing that has made me laugh facial hair-wise is just the fact that every time a player leaves the Yankees, like Austin Romine, um, they grow the thickest, bushiest, lumberjack-style beard possible. <laughs> oh, my God. Romine's beard
1: is intense. Yeah, yeah. It's like some, like, Mike Napoli-level beardage there. Like, it's serious.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have the the dark, like, light-absorbing quality that Alex Avila's beard once had. But, yeah, Mike Napoli is a good comparison. <laughs>
1: yeah. I always used to say that Alex Avila just had to think real hard, and he could grow a full beard in an afternoon. Yeah, because um, he just had that level of like instant
0: five o'clock shadow. Yeah, uh, Come yeah. Come out there just, clean shaven before the game, and yeah, by the yeah, before morning, the game is over, you like,
1: oh, need to shave again.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> tough. You got to keep some strong razor blades back there for Alex. Yeah.
1: I miss Alex Avila. I have to go down to see a twins game just to get my Alex Avila fix.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you'll um, in traditional Tigers fashion, see him mashing our pitchers sometime this year. (laughs) Oh, no doubt.
1: Well, I mean, if he's in the same division now, he's not with the diamondbacks anymore. So we'll have plenty of
0: opportunity to get destroyed by him. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. Yep. Please follow Ashley at 90 feet from home on Twitter. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of content rolling out on the site. Um, I wrote up Matt Manning the other day. His entire 2,500-word scouting report is... On the site, um, as well as some oh, podcasts. Oh, I see you and... didn't, we,
1: we didn't edit you down then.
0: <laughs> nope, nope, I just, I just, no, I'm like. For you just point, ran that sucker. For the top you couple were... guys, I'm saying everything I gotta say. <laughs> so you can look for that stuff there, and you can follow me at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. Um, thanks a lot for joining us tonight, and we will be back next week with a regular edition of the Bless You Boys podcast. Ashley, have a good night. Brandon, peace out. Peace.